bum, 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 there, There's your intro music. Hello, listeners. <laughs> it's a dark day. <laughs> Hello, listeners. Two of us are drunk and one of us is pregnant. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> that can be I have a friend that looks like this picture of Paul Rubens, guys. The long hair picture. <laughs> yeah, wow. I'll never be able to unsee it now. No. All right. So whose kid did a funny thing? This has been the first day it hasn't been raining in a couple of days here in Midland, which is wild because we never get rain. Uh, so we went out to the park and my kid found a puddle and was walking through them. And then all of a sudden he found a puddle that was like five inches deep and was Ooh. hella shocked because he was like, wait, <laughs> what just happened? My, my feet are wet. I don't know why. What's, what's, he just like stopped in the puddle and was just like, what's happening? Um, so that was, uh, that was something my kid did today that was, I thought, really, really amusing. Much worth it. Yes. <laughs> my okay. child got a present for his dad's birthday because, well, his birthday is really close to Christmas, and so we felt bad that he didn't, that like all the, all the fun is at like one part of the year. So Michael generously donated his birthday to my child. Yeah. <laughs> now he, he got a present. And he opened it up, and it's one of those, like, it's like a car in a cardboard box where the front is open, and you can see, like, the thing through the front, but the back is a box, right? My husband says, what is it? He goes, it's a box! <laughs> <laughs> he holds it up and everything, like, never turns it around to see if there's anything in the front. <laughs> I was like, yes, buddy, it is a box. I hope you have a lot of fun with it. I think that... There was still I joy. Story... I don't... I mean... Nice. I think that story was funny. Yeah. It cut out for me. I don't know what happened. Yeah, know. it did for me too. Okay. But I got, I got, I got the gist of it. No. Do you want to tell it okay. again? No. <laughs> My kid opened a present. He thought it was a box. It was not a box. He did not even turn it around to see the front, where he could see that it was actually a dump truck. <laughs> and he was extremely excited about the box. The box. <laughs> like a good child should be. Good for him. Proud of him. I don't yeah. know that I have a I don't know that I have a Millie story. I've got um apparently tonight she went out on a walk with her dad and her puppy dog and they were coming back and there's some extremely uh tall poison ivy that's going unattended along our neighbor's fence line, uh along the sidewalk. And so we try to keep everybody away from it as best we can, but tonight she just decided she was carrying this little purse with her. She just decided to swing her purse through it mm. and then hold on to it as tightly as she could. So <sighs> everybody just came I mean, it was like a herd of elephants just coming in like, We gotta go to the bathtub, everybody out of the way. <laughs> So the purse is currently in the washing machine, and the child had a bath and an unexpected bath. We only bathe her like once a week, so double bath, <laughs> double bath week. <laughs> she hopefully will not break out, but that was fun. Nice way to end a, a leisurely walk around the neighborhood. Yeah, terrifying. Like, I would have flipped my wind. I did. Well, I didn't even go on the walk. I didn't see it happen, and Chris came in a lot more casually than what I describe. So the herd of elephants was actually me going, what the fuck? Why aren't you taking this seriously? She needs to be in the back. Stripper, put that person in the washing machine. Where's the like 50 proof like lie soap? Everybody out of my way. So. 
<laughs> I, think, I don't know. I think I don't maybe think that's Chris how you describe soap, but that's, you know, for editorial yeah. purposes. Has, has Chris had poison ivy and have you? I have not that I can remember. I don't know that Chris has. I've just heard horrible things about if you get on you and you don't wash, you know, you don't wash it off. It can just be, it it can just get everywhere. So I was like, we're taking precautions. Right. Yeah. I think I was, I'm still afraid of poison ivy, but I've had it. And like, I am probably less freaked out by it now than I was before I had it. It is bad. And I would hate to see it on a little kid because it would scratch it and spread it and it'd be terrible. Yeah. she She has no impulse control. It's just... Her hands are in her eye constantly. Oh my god! That's gosh. what I. That's what I got scared of. Do you know, do any of the do face. any of the plants poison sumac, poison ivy, or poison oak have thorns? No, I don't think so. Not that I. Not that I okay, well, there's apparently a fourth one because is it poison? <clears throat> yes, but my so my parents have a house out in the country, and we were let the we let the yard go for a while. And the forest started creeping back up on it. And as we were trying to, you know, cut it back, we came across these plants from hell that had these massive, huge thorns on them. One day, I decided that I was gonna, I was gonna get rid of them because they're they're a pain to deal with. And I went at them, and dug them all up, dragged them over to the burn pile. And uh, the next day, I w- woke up, and it looked like somebody had beaten the shit out of me. <laughs> I was, my eye was swollen, uh, my hands were swollen, I looked, I looked rough, because it was, it was extremely poisonous, apparently, and I did not know this, because it didn't look like any of the poisonous plants that I had been taught to look for, and it had thorns. I don't know what it was that I got into, but that was, it was a horrible, horrible experience as a full adult that I got to, you know, there's no, there's no wiping my memory of that one. Hmm, right. Rule of thumb, always wear long sleeves and pants and gloves and don't burn things unless you know what, what you're burning because even the poison and the, or the toxin yeah. and poison ivy and poison sumac and poison oak can get into your lungs and cause some damage. Well, after we discovered it was poison, we hadn't burned it at the time. So we were like, um, let's wait a couple of weeks on this and uh, right. let it dry out. Give it a moment. Yeah, and maybe like wear something across our faces, make sure it uh, doesn't get breathed in. There you go. Now we need a sponsor for like weed barrier or poison, <laughs> poison plant killer. This would be the perfect time for that, right? Or like some some nice uh, gardening gear. Or one of those, they actually make stuff. Somebody, people, there are things available that you can take orally that help prevent breakouts from poison oak and ivy and things like that i had to take some for a while because our dog kept going out in the when i was in high school our dog would go out in the backyard run around in it and then come in and love on us because she was yeah get the oils on her yep (laughs) or maybe the dog didn't love any of you and was like hey right feels right (laughs) they had put it together like you didn't give me a treat earlier here you go here's your treat yeah yeah. Love it. Care for it. Yeah, and luckily because of the way that it was transferred, it was never like horrific breakouts, but it like just always a low level of like itchy welts all over the place. Ugh. Not great. This is such a super like bright and happy <laughs> episode. Yeah, this episode's great. Poison ivy sucks. Also, whatever John. Pulled also, up. our topic. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Not fun. So in the news. Right. We, we learned that the charges filed against Josh Duggar is that he was, what is it? 
Jennifer, I don't want to get it wrong and then have it's, somebody sue us. It, he's have two federal, two counts, um, federal charges of possession of child pornography or possession of obscene images of a child. Mm-hmm. Not great. Yeah. And of course, n- nobody's really shocked given his the history. earlier allegation. Yeah, his history with his siblings. But it's still just really terrible and awful. And, and I think the reason that we're bringing that one up is because we discovered, or John discovered, rather, <laughs> an interesting point that we just glossed over when we were talking about Pee Wee Herman and Paul Rubens. And that's that he did a plea bargain for... To a misdemeanor. Uh, to, yeah, to a misdemeanor for was it child pornography or was it so his misdemeanor let's say images? They were they were talking about it just obscenity, like vague. Yeah, okay. They were talking about a really vague language that I was like, why can't so, you just say what this is? A quick a quick legal lesson, a quick constitutional lesson. The freedom of speech in the United States is very very broad, but there are a few very um, tight exceptions. One of them is obscenity incitement. There's a few others, but obscenity is one. In fact, because obscenity is technically an uh, an exception to the First Amendment, it is constitutional to a certain extent to ele- to make porn, any porn, illegal, mm-hmm. not just child porn. The problem with that is is less in constitutionality and legality and more in practicality. You can. There are states that have made that have laws on the books about porn, generally obscenity, generally. However, enforcement is a problem. It costs a lot of money, and porn is everywhere. It's right. like whack-a-mole. So they tend to focus their resources on God, <laughs> Jesse. They tend I'm to so focus sorry. their resources. Their resources tend to be focused on the worst things, like snuff films, child porn, things that are really genuinely horrific. And right. generally um, victimize someone. Mm. Um, so actual rape films, things like that. Actual child pornography, which is a rape film because you can't have sex with a child without it being rape. On and on like that. And so so what he pled to was probably a lesser charge of obscenity, not including necessarily the child porn, but covering child porn, kind of like squares and rectangles. Every square is a rectangle, but not every rectangle is a square. That law could apply to child porn, but doesn't necessarily have to. Is likely, I haven't seen the charges, I haven't seen the plea deal, but I'm just saying, like, legally speaking, obscenity is, can be outlawed, and that seems like what he pled to, was a lesser charge that didn't include minors. Right, because that that would have led to uh, a maximum sentence of a year in jail and a $2,500 fine if he had pled to the misdemeanor charge of child pornography. And instead, he got a $100 fine and pledging to enter into a counseling program for one year, and I think he got some probation, <clears throat> like maybe three years probation. And that's according to... I'm reading a today.com article. There are several out there. Um, yes. This, this one kind of puts it all together nicely. So yeah, I think the reason we're bringing this up is because we did the Scandals episode and we we were all waxing poetic about like, oh, we're all just human. And what he does in, a, in adult theater is his business. But then when you bring in potentially illicit photographs or what have you images of maybe children because that's still up for debate right like the uh, prosecutors in this case were saying these are minors and that's illegal and 
his defense team was saying, well, we really don't know the ages of these people in the photos, and they're so old that it's not even, you know, they, they were, they're calling it vintage art, basically. So it's way more complicated than what we were imagining the last time we were talking about Pee Wee Herman, uh-huh. <laughs> is all I'm saying. Right. Um, and it's uh, it's harder now for me to, because I was doing the comparing thing with Blippi and Stephen John, you know, with his Harlem Shake Poop video. And I think this is like way different <laughs> than just having a weirdo video out on the internet that you don't want anybody to see. Uh, there's something a little bit seedier about these allegations and this, this history for Paul Rubens now for me. <laughs> the end. The end. No, it... The whole Paul Rubens thing is like, you, you th- I don't know. I don't know. It, they're saying it's art, but where does it end? Well, I that's guess? The, right, for, like... for me, I think, yes, that, that's that's a valid argument when you're talking about adults. A painting? I well, guess. No, I'm thinking of like those paintings of cherubs from the yeah, exactly. 1500s. Like that's, that's kind of the, what right. popped into my head too when Fine. you said painting. I'm like, well, nobody's painting except it's all over, you know. Catholic well, it, and those aren't extremely explicit. Well, and you know, like whose whose parents have uh, uh, photo albums of you, their naked kids in the back? Of their naked kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, what does, I think every that? every parent has those. I I've seen pictures of me and my sisters when we were kids, and uh, so I know for a fact that my parents did it. And like, I think that that's one of the things. But that's again not what Pee Wee Herman was in possession of, and right. I think that. And, um, I think it has to do with intent, too. Yeah, and well, going back to the whole art versus obscenity thing, my, my whole line, and I think that it, it's a good line that we draw at the age of 18, is if they're, if the subjects of that photograph are below the age of 18, then it doesn't matter if it's art. It's That, that argument has become moot, in my opinion. Mm. But then when you start talking about, like, well, what about parents who take pictures of their kids in the bath? You have to think about, well, first of all, the relation. My parents have pictures of me and my sisters, their children, naked in the bath. But, like, no other relation is allowed to do that. My uncles don't have pictures of me in the bath. My grandparents don't have pictures of me in the bath. But you should also think about, like you said, intent. No parent really intends to, like, publish those. Like, And I think if they do have the intent to publish those, then, yeah, that should be committed to crime. But that's so weird, because I think that's part of where they're trying to blur the lines. His defense attorney is very much talking about this as an art collection that was seized. Here he says, that mischaracterizes the art collection seized. Rubens lawyer Blair Burke said Friday, if that means a black and white tintype from 1901 with a young man of indeterminate 17 to 19 year old age laying on the beach after having gone skinny dipping, then they've got it. So like that's what he describes. And then other, the prosecution is saying that they're really downplaying what was in the collection that they retrieved from the home. Well, it says that there's... It's it's very uh, much they said they said. It says says in that article, that Today article, that he had, he acknowledged possessing 170 images of minors engaged in sexual conduct. So that's, that also, that paragraph right there makes it seem like, well, no, this isn't just a maybe 19-year-old laying on the beach after skinny dipping. Right, lying on the beach is not sexual. Yeah. It's not sexual well, and, conduct. Right. But 
there's clearly some that are. And the yeah. whole indeterminate age thing, I feel like, is also a really Stop idiotic hedging. is yeah. a really idiotic uh. argument. Is like maybe maybe don't have pictures of people who are indeterminate. Maybe make sure that there's something <laughs> yeah. that like Look, legally I... says this is an 18 year old actor and actress, right. or at least 18 years old. Um, I need my erotic photographs to be grizzled. <laughs> I need them to be old people, please. Wrinkles. I just I know for 100% sure I'm not dealing with a minor here. I mean, please, there's, probably, there's probably a market for Please that. and thank you. Uh, there's a market for everything. <laughs> there, There is. Yeah. Which is why we're drinking this episode. So... So yeah, I think Steve and John, you get a pass. We're talking about relativity here at this point. Exactly, right. like, like relative in the relative speaking. world of weird shit that television, children's television hosts have done, you are in the okay area. Like it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just please start showing up to your Broadway musicals. Sign some headshots. You don't have to be in it. Just don't leave your fans hanging. Yeah. I, I don't know. Rubens, <laughs> Rubens calls his collection beautiful stuff. So. Yes. Yeah. Stephen I, John, I think, seems at least socially conscious about what he did and wanting to cover it up. <laughs> right. There's, there is something very, um, like, out of touch about Paul Rubens and the fact that they're getting ready to reintroduce I mean he is actively searching for a way back into the spotlight I think he's having what is it an HBO special over his Mm -hmm. the life and times of of Paul Rubens or something so I guess you know he's going to have his say about you know what happened to him and and he's going to be portrayed at least I'll be interested to actually watch it Right, yeah. We should be prepared because I think this is interesting, especially in the context of the Duggars, because that's a family that was in such denial. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. They were in such denial over the problem that Josh had and has. And allegedly, sorry, I need to be careful with my language, but, you know, if those allegations are true, that's a problem. Did they not determine um, those the truth of those allegations? Well, the no, new ones I just are... don't, I don't want to get in trouble as well. <laughs> <laughs> the new ones are alleged, and I don't think the old ones were ever formally charged. Oh. Right, I don't yeah. remember. He, well, he just got sent to basically like a Jesus camp. Yeah. And, because um, those conversion would've... camps always were. Right, and it just kept kind of hush-hush, and I don't know, I I think that's, we we have a serious issue around, I mean, the fact that we're having to drink through this episode, just talking about something that happened, what, 15, 20 years ago now? Well, the the 1991 adult theater thing, how many years ago is that now? Please somebody do the math for me. That was 30 years, wasn't it? Yeah, 30, and then these were back in, what, 2002, that these allegations about Paul Rubens and his sex uh, photo collection. Yeah. So, and we're just, we just keep, what I'm trying to say is we just keep forgiving. Well, I think one of the- They just keep getting out from underneath it, and I don't understand why that is. I don't understand why it's a misdemeanor to have child pornography. Well, I think the reason that it turned into a misdemeanor was because they got it recognized as art, from what it sounds like, which I I think is a bullshit argument. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think the thing that's really pushing us to drink during this episode is the fact that these things did happen so long ago, and we, like, we, we- 
research Pee Wee Herman when we did the whole scandal thing, and and, none of and it just it, it just happened to pop up a little bit later. But it was like, why why wasn't it obvious? Why wasn't it there? Why right. wasn't that the one that got him it the was most so attention? So under the radar. And I feel, and I think, I think part of it too is this whole Duggar thing. I forget what his name is. I want to call him Jim Bob for some reason. That's but, his dad. Okay, so there is I'm one. Sad that I know that. <laughs> but this Duggar kid is doing the same thing, and you're just like, we're catching people engaging in things that are not okay, and actually harmful to society, and not really doing anything about it right and, and then letting them continue to have a show yeah. or a place at the table uh, the power table uh, well i think the duggars their whole show essentially went under after oh, the yes. initial like it came out they hit it uh what he did i think was in the early 2000s and it came out in 2015 and in 2015 basically everything tanked although i think some of the sisters some of the kids maybe kept some public persona but the Duggars, the Duggars tanked over that, but he continued to go unpunished. I mean, yeah. I guess right. that was Throughout an old the thing. Entire show, they knew that fam- you know, members of that family had that knowledge, and they continued to go on TV and present this, you know, happy, picturesque, large family. And but that's, I mean, that's kind of out of outside of the scope of. Ch- I mean, it it it's related to the fact that you know, right now Stephen John is battling uh, the internet over this video of him and he's trying to get that swept under the rug and Paul Rubens clearly has done a very good job of making sure that his history doesn't pop up immediately when you google Paul Rubens yeah shoot Um, it doesn't pop up when you're looking for it (laughs) right it took me a minute and searching some search terms I didn't want to put into google right because googling anything even if it's Paul Rubens child porn charge I don't want to put child porn anywhere in my google search like right and I think that's one of the reasons why I was interested in starting this podcast is, um, you know, I, I, I want to know the kinds of thing about the kinds of things that my kids are watching and that I'm watching, you know, like hindsight is always twenty twenty, And I watched a few episodes of the Duggars. I wasn't super in love with uh, the only thing I watched on TLC was what not to wear. Oh, and say yes. To the <laughs> I loved those two. Shows. Oh, and I think there was a, there was a show where women were giving birth like it followed them right through their last like couple of weeks of birth and then they gave birth and it made me cry every single time they held their child it was just a wonderful show and then I would go to class (laughs) (laughs) very cathartic see right it was very cathartic so those were the shows that I was watching and then the doggers were not but yeah I, I think that's part of this podcast's point for me is to remind people like what you see on tv to a degree is separated from the private lives of the people who are creating them and at the same time something they're so married at the same time it's really hard to discuss discuss these lines and like yeah where do we draw the line well especially since you're sitting in a theater masturbating is one thing but now that these now that we're aware of, of this history with photos that makes me pause um, seriously pause yeah I, th- I believe last time I said something to the effect of you know if it had something to do with children <laughs> huh. yep I do remember you saying that yeah and yeah. here we are 
And here we are. But also we need to, I think, address the nature of how Paul Rubens basically was like, I am Pee Wee Herman, Pee Wee Herman, and I are the exactly. same. And then he's doing these things. And I'm like, well, I definitely don't want Pee Wee Herman to do those things in front of my kid. I mean, I don't think, like, maybe Stephen John is kind of to- toying with that line right now of, like, Stephen John is blippy because when you, like, Google, if you Google one, you get the other sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I don't think most Steve from Blue's Clues quit Blue's Clues because he didn't want to be Steve. Yeah. And, like, the guy inside the Barney suit is not saying, I am Barney. Yeah. Exactly. And Barney is me. So I think a lot of those characters are different. But. Yeah. But where you do toe that line, then you do kind of invite scrutiny in your personal life a little bit more. Exactly. I, I think that's that's a fair point to be made because Paul Rubens and Stephen Jones really are the only two that I can think of that have that sort of oneness with their persona. And it's, like you said, once you start making that, that connection, then you do invite scrutiny. And that's in scrutiny that especially should be should be invited because especially with Paul Rubens, like we're talking about minors here. This mm-hmm. is uh, this is a big deal. So, John, to the point of Pee Wee Herman is Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens is Pee Wee Herman. Um, here's the part of the there was an interview done uh, between Rubens and someone named Stone Phillips who wrote this piece, um, maybe for NBC. I'm not a news person, like, I don't know the new TV news personalities, um, but anyway, Stone <laughs> Phillips. Uh, I guess the question everybody was asking at the time was, what were you thinking? And I believe this was his 19, talking about his 1991 conviction. What were you thinking, Rubens? Well, obviously I wasn't thinking, you know? I certainly wasn't thinking to myself, you're a children's show host. Your show was still on television. I wasn't making those lists. I felt like they were insinuating, like, well, I was sitting in, you know, a darkened movie theater in my peewee suit. Phillips. But you know, uh, but you had to know that being caught in a place like that, being a children's entertainer, would lead to everything getting blown up. Rubens. I guess I did have to know that, but yet there I was. I mean, that didn't seem like a crime to me. It didn't seem like anyone's business but my own, which I agree with. Phillips. And the indecent exposure part of it? Rubens. Oh, and this is crazy. I maintained at the time that it didn't happen, and I maintain that still. So he maintains that he was not exposed. But just that idea that, like, he at once wants to be thought of as this character because he went... He workshopped this character by going on to the dating, what was it, the dating game, mm-hmm. as Pee Wee Herman. And that, so he builds this idea in the public's mind of, there is no Paul Rubens, I am Pee Wee. And then he does something wrong, and suddenly it's like, oh, no, 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 that's, <laughs> we, we have to separate these two things. That would almost um, be like a reality star saying, you can't judge me for the stuff that I do in my private right. life. You're a reality star and you've chosen to put your private life on TV. Yeah. Pee Wee is a little bit different, but he did, in fact, choose right. to make well, them and he one, starts, essentially. Exactly. But then in this interview, he does kind of try to parse out the difference between him and Pee Wee Herman by saying, you know, he never thought that Pee Wee Herman would be uh, healthier than he is in, oh. in many ways, but... But here we are, <laughs> kind of is how he puts it. I'm paraphrasing. But yeah, so he's he's definitely trying to distance his personal um, afflictions in life 
with his public persona and I think and this is pure speculation folks but I think it's because he knows his public persona is his money maker and if he can just get back to Pee Wee Herman and not have this stuff follow Pee Wee Herman then he'll be okay yeah but I does, just don't see it that way it does seem like he's kind of got a I don't know schizophrenia sort of thing where like if if anything bad happens, then it's Paul Rubens. If anything good happens, then it's Pee Wee Herman. Right, it's like a picture a, a picture of Dorian Gray. Pee Wee, <laughs> Pee Wee is the good person, but simultaneously he's doing all of these bad things as his real life person, and Paul Rubens just gets uglier and and not like I don't not ugly physically, although he's not my type, <laughs> but uglier, you know, like in the soul is what I'm saying, mm-hmm. metaphorically ugly. <laughs> I don't get yeah. There's definitely a dual dualism there that he's trying to make work now, whereas early on it was, you know, the, the connection was very real. There was no dualism. Right. It I was think, just Pee Wee Herman. Well, and I think the biggest thing is you, Paul Rubens, whether Pee Wee Herman is somebody different and you get to have your own private life in your role as Paul as Pee Wee Herman Paul Rubens will come into very close contact with children will have mm-hmm. influence over children Absolutely. children that meet him in real life will listen to him and follow him and do what he says and he will have a foot in the door for grooming a child that many Absolutely. other people wouldn't have and whether or not you want to make those things separate I don't want anybody near my child that that can influence them if they have this in their past like or even if it's not like grooming to physically be with in this you know like even if it's just you know he's he's able to take pictures with and his photos right? flashed on TV or TV screens and and computer screens um, with children across the nation and all over the world like you know those those are part of his collection too like any photo he's taken with a child i'm sure <laughs> he has that yep so that's just yeah his sphere's uh, sphere of influence is just crazy it's crazy to think about the sphere of influence he has when you also connect these pieces to it and the fact that he did plead to obscenity these photographs and he totally admits that he had them mm-hmm. he just says yeah. he thinks they're art and i'm like well okay that's that's cool a lot of people might think stuff that shouldn't be is art like killing someone on film some people think that's art it's still murder though (laughs) still a crime here's uh here's the article on um, this was an article that came out last month gosh just i mean like march so we're getting ready to go into may here march 11th 2021 by sydney contreras um, it's called You'll Never Guess Who HBO is Spotlighting in New Documentary. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Pee Wee Herman and Paul Rubens. It's Josh and Benny. S- oh, I don't know. I'm going to butcher this name. I'm so sorry. Safty. That sounds right. According to the logline, the brothers are developing a, quote, kaleidoscope portrait told in two parts. The Paul Rubens documentary traces the life of the imaginative artist behind one of pop culture's most celebrated and un- unlikely icons. P.B. Herman. Paul Rubens is very excited about this project. Um, I've been working with HBO since they uh, were called Home Box Office. I'm honored and excited to continue my long history there. Also, can we just talk about how Paul Rubens is a little bit just kind of a pedantic ass? I mean, like, he talks about these things like uh, when I was in the business or when I first got started. It's like, give it a rest, old man. Um... Though the Pee Wee's Big Adventure actor has much admiration for the company, he added, I love HBO, but I'm not going to marry them. He's keeping his doors open, guys. Right. Way to bite the hand that feeds you, man. Like, 
before it gets off the ground, just keep <laughs> tighten it up. Just don't don't say anything else. So yeah, that's kind of that's coming up. There's going to be a documentary, and I just I don't know. I I will be very fascinated. I don't have HBO. I'm going to finagle my way into somebody else's HBO <laughs> account to uh, to watch that because I'd be very curious as to how he's portrayed. We have HBO periodically. We don't currently, but I'll let you know. I'll give you the heads up. There you go. Oh, I appreciate it. You're gonna be you're gonna be so busy. <laughs> I might have to be turn so to busy so binge watching Westworld or something. There you go. If if Westworld would like to sponsor this podcast, by the way. <laughs> anyway. Right, yeah. There you go. Pee Wee Herman. Not as chill as I thought. Not as not as an in yeah. Not not the crime. Not that, as squeaky clean. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, we we said he, he committed a crime last time, but you know, it's his personal life and yeah. it's an adult porn theater. But no, mm mm. Yeah, this puts it in this this puts it in a different arena. Don't let people hurt your kids. <laughs> or, take, or take pictures of them. Yeah. Right. right. In the bushes. God, he's John. What, six, he's older than my parents. He's, yeah, he's, he's like sixty-eight. 60 he's going on eight. seventy. Kelly. And I, I just don't know why anybody would try to be pushing this hard to get back into the business with these opportunities. I mean, that's to redeem that's some hubris right there. That's some serious hubris. Maybe, because, maybe yeah, he, he doesn't deny any of this stuff. I think oh, he's there's the babbling brook again. I think he's got some uh, <laughs> pretty, hard, pretty hardcore uh, denial abilities. Because in that Yahoo Entertainment article that you were reading from, part of his, one of his quotes is, they may think I'm crazy or anything that anyone wants to think about me, that's all fine. As long as one of the things you're not thinking about me is that I'm a pedophile. But it is. Well, Sorry, if you've already, got pictures yeah. of minors doing sexual things, then yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, too late, Paul Rubens. You can't tell think, me what to think. I think the people who have pedophilia on like in their brain, you know, and fantasize about it but haven't ever taken that step are the ones that make that kind of argument. Like, sure, I look at pictures and I fantasize about it, but I've never touched a kid. Okay, but there's a risk there. Yes. Yeah. And you have taken some steps that are criminal. Well, and that's that's again like I don't know if it's actually a slippery slope, but it's a bad argument. Right. Like, it's a bad if argument. If you if you find that stuff appealing, then you're a pedophile. Right. That's I mean that's I think That's he had to register is. himself with, like, his local police station. But only for three like years, which is terrifying. Right. So, who knows? And as I, mental health clinician jumping in you know like I don't want to I mean that's that's pathology pedophilia um, and and being into that kind of or, or having that being uh, sexually stimulating for you I'm not an expert in that area I think what I'm trying where I'm trying to go with this is this is this podcast isn't to like put anybody down for their past if you're sincerely trying to get over that and and <laughs> you're working really hard on on those tendencies and those urges and which doesn't um, sound like what Paul Rubens is doing. Right. Then that's one no. thing. It's another thing when you are Paul, yeah, somebody like Paul Rubens, again, with the sphere of influence that he has, being in kind of this denial stage. Um, and it sounds like he's been there for a long time. And, and you're trying to make a name for yourself still without doing the heart work of, and that's some, that's some really fluffy counselor language for you right there. Mm-hmm. The, it's just kind of baffling to me why anybody would let him back on TV. Like, 
why who are these producers what what are they thinking and that's why i'm going to be really interested in seeing this documentary not to damn him immediately out of the gate but like how are they going to spin it because every documentary has a bias yeah but we love salacious stuff we do love oh i i think they are going to address it i think they are i don't see how they can't well, what it, it, the article ends all the same. Director Matt Wolf said of the upcoming documentary, "It's time for the world to meet Paul Rubens." So that's all he. I mean, that's very vague. So yeah, that's uh, he's going to let us make things, our own assumptions. That's one of the things that I've I noticed when I was researching the guy who played Barney was when they're like, "You get to know him. You get to the the story straight from the horse's mouth," and you're like, "Okay, this is clearly spun very like it's a, clearly a very biased article, one way or right. the other." So I remain skeptical when they say, "It's time for the world to meet Paul Rubin." You're like, "Well, <laughs> sure. bullshit. It's, it's time for us to <laughs> get time... see another spun version of Paul Rubin." Right, a carefully curated series of film about this man that he has chosen to put on the screen yeah well there you have it so do we want to move on to final thoughts like so that since this the scandal episode that we did last uh last time came about because of our discussions of blippy do we want to do final thoughts on blippy in light of all of this and just kind of like a final wrap-up before moving on to our next topic uh for the next recording I actually, I had an interesting encounter encounter with a blippy, I guess, fan. So I <laughs> a bliphead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so now that vaccines are out and the pandemic uh, restrictions are kind of lifting, I've been taking my kid to um, a park, and we recently got to know a little kid and his grandmother. And I, I was really excited to establish this friendship because my kid hasn't gotten to see very many other kids his own size and his own age. But we were talking about, uh, she asked me if I let my kid watch a little bit of TV, and I was like, well, yes, but mostly we watch Cocomelon. And I I mentioned something about Blippi, and she goes, yes, my kid loves Blippi, or my grandkid loves Blippi. And I was like, yeah, I... uh, I, I talked to her a little bit about it, and she said that one of the things that's most obvious is that he doesn't have kids, because even in his videos when he's talking about the machines, he's talking about it in very technical language, and I was like, yeah, he he does totally do that, and that does kind of, mm-hmm. like, on the one hand, I can I can understand he sees he sees a void where kids don't have a lot of programming showing them not just the different machines, but the different parts of the machine and how the machine yeah. works. But he does use really technical languages, and I think that all of the critiques that we've mentioned before still still hold value. He he's not very imaginative. He's not very nonsensical. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of interaction. There's not enough music and art and absurdity and all that jazz. But I thought it was interesting because uh, I met I met this person and we started talking about Blippi, and the first thing she said was he he obviously doesn't have kids. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Like, well, but well, there's know, a lot of fans out there. There's still a lot of people who are like, well, okay. Yeah. I don't know that that bothers me because I come from the parenting school of thought of not underestimating my, my child. So I'll, th- I'll say things like, well, that's very serendipitous in front of my child. And then right. ask, her, ask her to say, can you say, or, you know, can you say serendipitous? And she'll try to say it. Um, and well, I'll talk to her about what that means. So... I kind of appreciate that he just kind of goes for it and is like, eh, as long as there are some synapses that are forming and, and firing over some of the words that I'm saying, 
it's fine. And what was the Jennifer's story from the last week? Something about your kid saying delectable, using delectable. Oh, in a, yeah. No, like, I mean, that's from a kid's too. book, though. Yeah, he but bit still, me and like, called it delectable. Delectable yeah. is, not, is not a word you would think kids would pick up on. In, I can't tell one, you like, how many words my kid says that people are like, wait, he says that? <laughs> I mean, excavator, weirdly, you'd think that, like, with Blippi being where Blippi is in the world, excavator would be more prevalent, and people wouldn't be surprised that a kid can say it, because he has a whole song about excavators. I can sing him for you, but I won't. Um, <laughs> um, no, please do. <laughs> I'm an excavator. Please don't sue us, Stephen, John. Anyway. Just sing it off-key, and then it'll right. not count. Right, right. But... But my kid can say excavator, and people are shocked. My kid can say pandemic. I'm like, it's been a year, guys. Of course he can say pandemic. <laughs> right. They're like, why would you tell him that? Because he has to wear a mask, and i got to give him a reason. <laughs> I'm like, but, you know, the, there's... So I don't mind him. I'm with Jesse. I don't really mind him using the big words when he doesn't follow it up. Sometimes he follows it up with a good explanation, like this thing is going to do that and he'll use the big mm-hmm. word but then he'll show you what that means and that's right. fine when you're just using the big word without sort of context or without explaining it sometimes that's bad but honestly kids kids do pick stuff up from context a lot right so and fine. especially older I don't have children who can like look things up on their own or go to their mom and be like blippy said this what's that mean you know it's a conversation starter at least blippy said harlem shake what's that mean? <laughs> <laughs> get off the internet <laughs> but <laughs> what's a DCMA, mom? <laughs> oh, oh dear. But you know, I I do think that it is interesting to hear from like a third part, or I guess the fourth party in this case. It's evident that he doesn't have kids, just from watching the videos. It's very clear that well, he has no children. I think it's I think it's also doubly funny because she's right. He doesn't. Yeah, he made it for true. his his nieces and nephews, I guess. And <laughs> I was just like, man, that's um, I found that amusing. I think every time I've talked to another parent about Blippi, I've gotten a like a look, like it's like a eyes rolling, clenching of the face with like a flinch <laughs> a to it. Of teeth. <laughs> like they're like, oh yeah, my kid used to love that. And actually, one person, I think it was a doctor, was like, just wait till they move on to toy opening videos. It's way worse. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. I'll take Blippi any day. <laughs> and I'm like, so dang I... it, Ryan. <laughs> So I sent that article, the original article that got us started on this whole thing about Blippi in the dead world. I sent that to someone who whose relationship to me will remain nameless, I guess, um, <laughs> to to protect her identity. But I sent it to her, and a couple of days go by, and I was like, "So what did you think? I know you're, um, you know, she babysits for a kid who just loves Blippi." And I was like, "I know you're kind of a fan. What do you think after reading this?" And she said, well, this is really long, first of all, <laughs> which that article really is very long. And second of all, she, you know, she was just like, I feel like this person just needs to calm down. <laughs> Blippi is what it is. It's, you know, it's colorful. There are some educational aspects to it. As long as it's not the main diet of your child's screen time, it's it's fine. And I think that's kind of where I stand, too. On the one hand, does it meet all of the criteria that a good children's show should quote unquote 
feelings, diversity, work, nature, inventives, mess, and junk, absurdity? No, it does not. Does it hit on those things every once in a while in some of its episodes? Yeah. And does it do some of those things really well every once in a while? Yeah. So I think that's kind of where I am with, with Blippi is like, I don't know that it's going to be in my house on my screen all the time, but I wouldn't... God, I can't come up with a better phrase other than I would not throw Blippi out of bed <laughs> in the morning. So, <laughs> so that's kind of, that's my final take. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, since my kid is the only kid who's ever been addicted to Blippi here, I'm going to go ahead and say my final thoughts are he's not as bad as I sometimes feel he is, but... I don't want to watch him over and over mm. and over and over mm-hmm. and over and over and over and over and over. Right. And honestly, it's the kind of show that the kid will just, that's the only thing. We can't watch They're anything else. Right now, mm-hmm. my child has like sort of cornucopia of things he's watching. And that's fine by me. Right. We watched in, in children's show news, we watched the Daniel Tiger episode where Daniel Tiger finds out that mom's going to have a new baby and they're going to have a new baby in the family. And, and he learns that he's too big for his crib and he's too big for his old clothes. And so maybe the baby can use that stuff. And we watched that twice because, <laughs> well, we're preparing <laughs> for that. Right. So anybody expecting a kid, now's your chance. Jump on it. It won't be around for another couple months. They cycle them. Oh, do they? Yeah, I I think that Blippi could be a good jumping off point for some of these topics. And then like there are other ways to dive deeper into them, which is a lot of kids shows do that. But there are some kids shows that tackle some of these topics like science and math and pregnancy and feelings. And they they go ahead and and dive deep into it in in one episode. So it just kind of depends on what you're looking for for your kid, I guess, and how you want to introduce different things. Yeah. I mean, Blippi's good for a short five-minute thing, but I don't really want to reintroduce it because I don't. It's addictive. They found some Mm -hmm. sort of magical algorithm. It's got to be the same thing that Frozen has. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. My kid's never seen Frozen, but I hear that it's a real, like, cocaine for kids' eyeballs. (laughs) Right. I've heard that too. So, we haven't introduced. I don't like that movie. I'm just going to come right out and say it. There's just got to be an algorithm. Curious George is the one that plays over and over and over and over and over in our house right now. Which Curious I swear George might should be our next show, guys. <laughs> and I'm going to start like, live tweeting it. <laughs> live tweeting it. <laughs> like, why are they letting a zookeeper go in a rocket to fix a telescope? And why is he just today, when he's about to get in the rocket, learning how to fix the telescope wait they're gonna send the monkey too yeah. sorry spoilers and then the mon- yeah and then the monkey ends up being the one to do all of it what to fix the very technical very sensitive telescope in outer space guys right curious george curious george and the uh, man in the yellow hat get to go to australia and they get to australia and they're not just absolutely 100 percent tired or jet lagged or they just straight to work finding finding kangaroos talking about emus jesse's jesse's exception like you're 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 taking exception with curious jordan for the same reason i take exception with with like sg1 like stargate like sure (laughs) they have a gate that can travel all over the universe in seconds and it's ancient and it's made of some weird stone that's fine that's fine but the episode where they're talking about shutting the program down because of money like i'm sorry the u.s government has a whole living breathing alien back from this program if we found one single cell organism on mars we'd spend 
all our money on that. <laughs> like, don't even play. <laughs> this is why I can't suspend my disbelief. <laughs> right. We created a space force uh, for no reason. <laughs> right. Just for fucking right. no reason other right. than to create a distraction. <laughs> right. Man in a yellow hat can go into outer space with a monkey, fine. But he needs to be jet lagged when he gets to fucking Australia, okay? <laughs> exactly. Right. There need to be way more poisonous snakes and spiders. The giant owners. spiders. So basically what you're saying is they go to Australia and then instantly get killed by Australia. Um, yes. Well, that's that Australia, right? That's Australia. Isn't that on the tourism guide? I, I thought that was... <laughs> thought that, that was, was their the official cell. Right? Yeah. Come and get murdered. <laughs> Did you try to do an Australian accent? I, mean, I had a mouthful of water in my defense. <laughs> it would have been better without the mouthful of water. Okay. <laughs> Like no, I'm not really sure it would have. I don't know how to say murdered in in, in Australian accent. Murder. I can say. <laughs> I tried and I failed. I can say, I can say today, because there's a whole joke. Yeah, today. There's a whole joke about a pilot who crashes his plane and he wakes up and he's all injured and he says, "Did I come here to die?" And the nurse says, "No, you came here yesterday." <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, right, I digress. Note, closing, <laughs> closing music. <laughs> I can't do closing music in an Australian accent, <laughs> unless I do "to die, to die, to die, to die." Yes, to die, to die.